welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Welcome back. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. In this week's episode, I'm talking to my friend and fellow life coach, Lindsay Preston. She helps 20 and 30-something women create the lives they truly imagine. I really appreciate Lindsay because in a sea of life coaches, she has always stood out to me. She knows her stuff, and I'm sure you'll get a feel for that as you go through this podcast. She also has her own podcast called Life Lovers Radio. If after listening to this podcast, you'd like to know more about Lindsay, you can find her over at her website, www.lindsayepreston.com. I'll also put a link to that in the show notes, along with some of the other things we talk about in this episode. Today, I'm specifically asking Lindsay about how we can break through the blocks that are holding us from moving forward. We also go into her personal story, which I'm sure will resonate with many of you. Without further ado, let's get started. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I already introduced you and let people know that we're actually friends in real life. You're one of my best biz buddies, and I'm so grateful to have met you. Oh, me too, Kate. I feel like the feeling is definitely mutual and that today is such an exciting day because I get to talk on one of my own favorite podcasts that I listen to. Oh, so good. So it's such an honor that you've been able to join me here because I really do respect your knowledge and expertise in this area. So I'm really looking forward to being able to share your knowledge with the listeners Many people may not know you as well as I do, so Mm -hmm. I was hoping you could start with just telling us a bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah, so I'll I'll try and do the nutshell version here. Um, So if we back up to childhood, I was that kid that on the surface looks like she had it all in essence. You know, I grew up in America in a really great suburb with great schools and getting to go take, you know, like dance lessons and soccer and all that stuff in the, you know, the ideal American family. But it wasn't all that that it seemed on the surface. Internally, I just felt like I was this really weird kid who um, knew stuff about people and I didn't really know how I knew that stuff about them. Um, Now with adult eyes, I was psychologically analyzing people um, and kind of, I just felt a spiritual connection to a lot of things. Um, And I was just a really sensitive kid. You know, I know you've talked about it a lot here on the podcast, Kate, with a lot of your guests and you too, is that I was just a kid who took in a lot of things around me. And then, you know, I had two parents who their, I think, biggest goals were to have safety and security for my brother and I. And so they thought that they were giving us this great life, but I really needed a lot more emotional support. I didn't feel like I had that. And so I felt really alone a lot and felt unparented in a lot of ways um, emotionally. And so I, I developed all these beliefs from that, that there was something wrong with me, that I was weird and different. Um, and of course, you know, even deeper beliefs that many of us share of let, that I'm not enough, I'm not lovable, all, all those things. And so from there, I went into college, was of course, again, on the surface, everything looked great. I went to a great school um, and started studying psychology there and just really loving that. But I didn't really know where I wanted to go still in life, even with now majoring in psychology. And so I graduated from there. And that's where I think a lot of us feel like we get lost because we've checked off all these boxes in life. And then we get to a point of, okay, where do I go from here? I've, I graduated high school. I graduated college or university. You know, what, what's next? Um, and I thought I would go to grad school and become a counselor. 
And I started doing that and I just realized I was itching to make money and I didn't feel like I had the life experiences yet to be a counselor. And so someone told me to go into HR. And of course, I was just trying to follow the path and continue to check these boxes. So I did that um, and did that for a couple of years. And on the surface, again, my life looked great. It was like, wow, Lindsay's got this really great job. You know, at the time I was still dating my college sweetheart. But the reality was, is I was starting to feel worse and worse and worse. So it mid twenties now, and I was in HR for a bit and then I kind of rebelled a little bit and ended up taking a dance job on the side where I was teaching dance. Cause I always loved dancing and ended up getting a position where I owned and managed the dance studio. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I felt really invigorated. Um, of course, now looking at it, I was living more in my values in that position of having the freedom and creativity that I love. But I was also, my personal life was starting to fall apart. And um, I blamed it on the dance studio of, oh, it's because I was too focused on working. And so that that relationship with the dance studio started to, to kind of fall apart because of I was pulling away and just other things externally with money and things of that sort. Um, and then my uh, personal life took a turn and I ended up getting pregnant. And I wasn't married, which is a big deal deal here in the South, in the Bible Belt. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, my family was just like super shamed by it, calling me like white trash and all these things. And so again, it was like, the, the perfection was starting to crumble. Right. But I, I actually felt really invigorated by it all. I felt, um, even though I was feeling that shame and guilt and all that stuff, I actually felt like I was becoming more of who I was meant to be by doing this. Um, I was kind of, you know, rebelling against the path, I guess. And after I had my daughter, I ended up staying at home with her full time. And that's when things started to really crumble. My relationship with her dad started to come to a head. He started taking what he called these work trips that would last for days and sometimes weeks. And I would push at him of, you know, why are you going on weekends? Why are you not here? Um, he started pulling away from me emotionally. And there got to be a point where I thought I was going crazy. Okay. I, I went to a therapist and I was like, there is something wrong with me. Um, I need you to tell me what it is. And I spent a year going to her weekly asking her and telling, you know, basically saying like, what is wrong with me? So you completely uh, internalized everything that was going on in your relationship and assumed it was your fault. Yeah. And I guess too, you know, just from childhood and from all these other things of never feeling like the path was what I was meant to be on of this, you know, cookie cutter path. And I thought this is like what people tell me is life is about. Why do I not enjoy this? Why is this not good? And again, just thinking I'm weird and different. Like what is wrong with me? I must have some kind of disorder. Right. So what is wrong with me? Why am I not happy with this? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So then after months of doing that and her telling me, you know, I didn't have these big, big problems with me like I thought, but I did have things like anxiety and depression and probably a little codependency wrapped in there. You know, she, she also was telling me too, when I was telling her things about my relationship with my partner, that it was kind of my fault, um, that I was catastrophizing things. And cause I came to her saying, I just feel like he's cheating on me. I have these visions where I see these things and she'd be like, yeah, you know, you're totally making this up in your head. Oh. And so again, it just reiterated the belief that I was crazy. Right. Oh. Um, so then it got to a point in my relationship where I was like, listen, you are not here. Like I'm putting my foot down. This is really the first step where I'm starting to set boundaries, starting to have a little confidence. And he did not like that at all. He was used to the Lindsay that put up with anything and kind of just was told what to do this robot. Right. And so things started getting worse between us to a point where I said, listen, I'm I, we have way too many legal connections Now we weren't legally married, but we had all these kind of common law is what they call it here in Texas. Yeah. Um, I was like, we've got to, we've got to break this up. Like I'm going to file for divorce. And I was very upfront with him and told him this. And of course that made him freak out even more. And when I went to the lawyer and finally got the guts to really do it and not just talk about it, she's like, this is a really weird thing, Lindsay. Like, I think we should hire a private investigator. And I remember sitting there, Kate thinking, is this my life? Like, is this real? Is somebody really telling me I need to hire a PI right now? <laughs> I didn't even really know those people existed. I thought they were just on TV programs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I felt like. I thought of these like trashy shows that they're like cheaters, you know, it's like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. 
But I did it. And within a couple days, you know, I got the call of he has this apartment across town. He has brought this woman from across the country to live with him. And that's where he's been living. And this is these are the cars in his name. And this whole double life started to unfold. Oh, my, my. So all of that wondering and feeling like something was off and having visions of him cheating was completely accurate. Yeah. And it was way worse than what I ever thought. You know, at the time now my daughter just turned two, I'd been at home with her and had my own internal struggles. And I was like, holy crap, this is real. Like I am alone now. I have no job. I have this little baby. And how am I going to pull myself out of this? Yeah. That's not only externally, but internally, because I was already like internally at my lowest point, you know? Oh, it was hard. It was definitely hard. Um, but this is when I felt like I started to really wake up. And I think a lot of people can relate to this is that when you reach your lowest points is when you can have your greatest good. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened is the first time my daughter ran into the arms of her dad and she was going for a custody visit. And I was just scared out of my mind. I had no trust in him. He wasn't making good choices at the time. And I was really fearing for her life on top of just trusting him and this woman that I had never even known. And that was when I felt like there was this angel or this top of my shoulder or just something telling me like, Lindsay, have you had enough yet? Like, are you really done with this? Because like, there's another life for you that can, that you can create here. And I just remember that moment, Kate, and just sitting back and thinking, yeah, I'm done. Like I am done living for other people. I am done, you know, holding myself back and thinking I'm weird and different. And it's time to like be the real Lindsay, the Lindsay I was meant to be. And so from there, it was just, I just had that intention. And so things just started to fall into place from, you know, going to a church and going to a divorce care class and hearing little messages there and then going to, you know, start dating again and getting through the divorce and having so much strength to get through that really hard, high conflict divorce that we were in. And I just saw things starting to fall together in a way that was easier and felt better. And then I came across coaching a couple months later and started working with a coach. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed a year or so ago, but I just didn't know existed. And then of course, from there, it became too, this is the profession I always wanted to do and didn't know existed. And then started getting certification and taking on clients. So where has life taken you? Because I know your life looks dramatically different now to where you ended up. I mean, you were, your rock bottom was splitting from your partner having to share custody of your tiny little daughter and Mm -hmm. that moment where you're saying I'm I've had enough what does your life look like today so how many years later are we talking we are talking this was four years ago so you know really I would say within three years my life had made this big dramatic shift but this last year has really been kind of cementing everything in place Um, and this past year I got married to somebody that I met a few years ago and somebody that I would have never been ready for back in my old Lindsay ways. And of course it was again, like that perfect person that I just didn't know, uh, that I wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course I have this beautiful business that I adore getting to work with women who were like, like me too, feeling really lost, but also women who just want to feel better than they already have a great life and they want it to be even better. And then of course my daughter is thriving because I'm thriving and I'm creating that model for her. And even with my, my ex, I feel like we have a really great partnership in co-parenting her. Of course it's not perfect, but you know, that's one of the biggest things that I wanted to take away from this, that experience was I didn't want to be one of those scorned women. I wanted to be someone who could forgive and get past it and move on. And so, you know, all this other stuff is just kind of icing on the cake because I've been able to do that and create that. Oh, it's, it's so great. I, I find your story incredibly inspirational because I know that there will be so many women out there that can relate to parts of that or all of it. 
and knowing that you've come through the other side and have been able to create such an empowered and beautiful life, I think is incredibly inspiring. Oh, thank you, Kate. So talking more specifically about blocks, because you are a life coach and I see you as an expert in this space. It's not a space I work in a lot. So Lindsay is my go-to expert around blocks, uncovering them, how to, how to sort of bash through them. Can you, for people who don't really know what we're talking about when we say blocks, can you explain what a block is? Yeah, so blocks are really things that are in the way that are keeping you from living the life that you want or living at that highest potential. Or you could even say, you know, having this beautiful dream life. They can also be defined as barriers. So it's just things that are keeping you stuck and keeping you from just living at this highest self that you envision or if you're a spiritual person that God or the universe envisions for you. You know, we all have that vision somewhere in our minds of living at this highest self. And we know internally most of the time when we're not there, you know, back in my twenties, I just shared my story. It was like, I always knew that like, there's something more, there's something more here. And I had all these blocks in the way keeping me there. And most of us have those no matter what our past was, our brains aren't wired to thrive, they're just wired to survive. And so we have to go in and learn how to overcome those things. So when you're talking about blocks, we're mainly talking about sort of mindset and the things we tell ourselves in our head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the things we tell ourselves in our head, but really a lot of times too, it's these repressed emotions. So a great way to know if you're blocked is if you have a negative emotion that's more than seven seconds, then you have a block, which is crazy to think about. I know. I remember the first time I heard that I was like, are you kidding me? Um, so as humans, we're, we're meant to feel all the emotions, right? From the high level to the low level. But a great example of this is if something happens to you, like you get cut off when you're driving, you know, if you just feel that anger for a couple seconds of, Oh, what a jerk. That's okay. That's a human emotion. But if it's like, Oh, what a jerk. I hate da 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 da, And you're just keep going off. That's, That to me is a sign that there's something blocked there. There's a repressed emotion that needs to be released. Ah, so our emotions indicate to us where our blocks might be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That totally leads into one of the questions I had for you, which was around motivation. And if people are generally sort of feeling low or meh, does that Mm -hmm. indicate that they might be blocked in some way? And if so, it's sort of that stuck in a rut feeling because I feel like I talk to a lot of people who feel like they're in ruts. Mm -hmm. So does that indicate that there's a block there? And if it does, where do they go from there? Yeah, absolutely. So when we were just talking about the repressed emotion, so a lot of times, you know, like you were saying, these, these women feel stuck. you know, I say it's like a tornado of emotions. Like you just keep feeling the same thing over and over again. And a lot of times it's things from our past that have been wired in our brains. And I'm getting really neuroscience nerdy here, but they've been wired in our brains. And a lot of times they're in our unconscious and they're being repeated to us over and over again of things like you're not worthy, you're not lovable. You're not going to get what you want from life. You know, you're an emotional person, you know, all these negative things. I call it like this inner mean girl voice in the psych world. It's the ego. That is what they call it. But it's the same thing. And it's really whispering in our ears without us knowing, you know, all these icky things. And that's what's keeping us from getting what we want, because even though we can't hear it, we unconsciously believe those things about ourselves. Right. And those are the things that kind of bring us down and make us feel low. Yeah. So how do we go about actually identifying what those blocks are? How do we bring them to that conscious level and get them out of the unconscious background? Well, the first thing is always, the first step is always awareness. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking, oh my gosh, yes, like, yeah, yeah, I I know I have that icky voice in my head that tells me those things. A lot of times we just think, you know, like I did in my 20s, like I'm crazy. There's something wrong with me. And the reality is, is no, that's just a part of you that you haven't tapped into yet and you're not aware of it. So once you start to become aware of it, which you may just be from listening to this right now and having that aha moment, which is awesome and so great, then you can start to dig deeper. 
So then, you know, one of my go-tos with this is to get to the core. Getting to the core of whatever it is, is so important. So again, if you are driving and you get cut off and you just feel all this anger and, you know, resentment toward that driver, you know, start to think about like, what, what is the core here of this, this feeling? And a lot of times our core is fear. It's fear-based. Mm-hmm. So it could be as easy as, okay, you know, start asking yourself questions of when in the past has somebody done this to me that's angered me or hurt me? You know, what am I fearing here? You know, as you know, Kate, in the the U.S., we just had an election. Oh, yes. (laughs) And people, you know, are going off on both ends. And there's just so much fear being thrown around of people feeling like they're losing rights and discrimination. And some of it is rightfully so, right? But it's also being triggered from people's past incidences. And so when we can just sit down and say, what am I fearing here? Because I had to do this own exercise myself last week of, okay, what is it that I'm really fearing? I could see it and I could say, okay, now I know what it is and I can start to overcome it. Absolutely. So it's about asking yourself, what am I afraid of when you're feeling really out of sorts and you can recognize those big emotions in yourself? Yeah. I think that's doable. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. It it just takes time sometimes as we want it so fast. We want to feel better. We, uh, you know, I hear so many times from women like, I just want to be happy all the time. And I have to have kind of this come to Jesus talk of you're not going to be happy all the time. You're human, but you can have the tools to start to learn how to be happier and get through this stuff. Yeah. So it's about getting through. Yeah, totally. So once we've sort of gone, okay, I understand what's holding me back here. I understand what my core is and where this emotion is coming from. How do we begin to overcome it? So a great way is just that awareness that we've already talked about of knowing you have this voice in your head that, like I said, I call the inner mean girl who is whispering kind of these beliefs to you over and over again and start to listen to that and realize, A, it's not you. It's just a part of your psyche and, and know that that's not a part of you. And so when you can do that, you can actually kind of start to piece her away from who you are and ask her questions directly. And I know this sounds so weird to think about. You've got to think about it like the movie inside out almost is that you have these little characters in your head and you can start to ask them questions almost of, you know, what are you fearing here? Um, What is it that's angering you? And even you can just say to that voice in your head, you know, pull out a piece of paper and write all the stuff you wish you could say out on paper. Um, I call it write that crap out. It's just write <laughs> all that Write that out. crap out. Yeah. <laughs> um, because then it's not swarming in your head. It has a place to go. And now being this beautiful grown woman that you are, you can step back and see it logically. Because a lot of times these wires are formed in our brain too when we're kids and our emotional brain is growing so quickly and our logical brain isn't. And now you're you have this beautiful even brain, which I know sounds so nerdy, but it's true. Um, and you can step back and be like, "Wow, you know, now that I've let that out, or I see what my fears are, I know that I can overcome this. I know that I can get through this, and this is how." So, talking about your own blogs, because you did mention childhood and how, like, so many of us come through childhood and without our parents ever intending it, um, you know, pick up those messages or, or internalize those things like we are not enough or we are not lovable or whatever it might be. And I know that sensitive kids are incredibly prone to that. I was, I was certainly a sensitive child, so I feel you on that. How do you start to or how have you personally been able to overcome some of those big core feelings that are related to sort of your self-belief, like I am not enough. How do you manage a block that that seems so big on the surface? Yeah, and there's so many ways to go about this. Um, one of the best tools are mantras. And I know if you're listening and you're like, oh, mantras, because I remember my coach back in the day telling me about mantras or sometimes it's called they're called positive affirmations. So basically what they are are positive statements you say about yourself. Typically, they can even be like, I am like I am powerful. I am beautiful. I'm strong. I'm lovable. And a lot of times, you know, I used to think this, at least I'd be like, gosh, that is so wacky. Kumbaya. Woo woo weird. Like, <laughs> I do not want to say that about myself. Like it made so me feel it really felt uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because 
especially I think as women, we're, we're used to criticizing ourselves, you know, we use it as a protection shield. Um, so, so to run around and start to say to yourself, even if it's just privately of I am lovable or I am beautiful, like a lot of times you want to puke. It's just like, Oh, this is so weird. But when I started doing them in my own life and what the research shows behind them is they're really powerful because essentially what we're doing is we're starting to reprogram our brain. So I mentioned before our brains aren't programmed for us to thrive in the world around us. It's just to survive. And so if our brain is just trying to get us through the day and not get killed, you know, that's, that's great and fine. Of course. Yeah. We want to be alive, but if we want to thrive, we have to program it for something different. And so mantras are a great way to do that. So you know, most all of us have this belief that we're not enough. Um, so a great way to combat that is just saying, I am enough. I am enough. And not just saying it, but feeling it of what it means to be enough and to feel that when you say it. And it just has to be a couple of seconds to hold that that thought and those feelings and to say that. Um, and then you also want to be able to say them for at least 21 days straight, because again, the research shows that's kind of the sweet spot to start to form that why in your brain. And I must admit those first 21 days can be tricky. You're going to feel that ickiness come up every time you say it. But after that, you're going to start to gain a momentum and you're going to start to feel better. And you're going to start to actually believe that those things, um, I did this, you know, here I am years out from doing this work. Um, and over the summer I had this period where I didn't feel deserving of this new life I had created. And it was making me feel really ill and sick. And, um, because I was about to get married and I was stepping into this kind of new phase and marrying this great man and having this wedding. And I had to sit there and say that mantra for 21 days of I am worthy and deserving of my dream life and hold that thought. And it felt so icky, so icky for the first gosh, like week or two. But after that, it started to gain a momentum. And then within, you know, those 21 days, I started to really believe it. Oh, that is, I'm so glad that you, you gave us a personal example, because what I'm kind of hearing that if it's really a block, when you do try and sort of counteract it, it's gonna feel icky to start with. And you really need to push through that. Because I guess it's only if there's a block there that it would feel icky, right? Yeah, you know, because we've just wired ourselves to believe that to be true. And so when we start to break that, the brain starts freaking out, like, what are you talking about? You know, what are you talking about? You're worthy and deserving of your dream life. But, you know, here are all the examples of things from the past where you've been told differently. And so really all you're doing is starting to say, I hear you, but I'm going to go past this and see what happens. Because that's a lot of times what I have to tell my inner mean girl voice is like, I hear you. I hear you, but let me just try this. I'm overriding <laughs> you. I like it. I hear you, yeah. but I don't need your opinion. <laughs> yeah, totally. Talking about really getting practical about how you use your mantras, do you, are you the type of person that puts them on a mirror? Where, how do you make sure that you do this every day? How do you keep yourself accountable to this? There's a lot of great ways to do this. So it could be setting reminders on your phone. So I actually started a mantra yesterday um, and I have a reminder on my phone every day at 10 o'clock because that's kind of when I sit down at my desk. And my new mantra is I'm open to connect with others daily because I find myself, you know, on the computer a lot in my own little home office. And so I'm really trying to open myself up to being out there more. Um, so that's a great way that's worked for me. Some other people have, you know, done sticky notes around their house where they're going to remind themselves. They'll write it on the mirror. I'm actually doing that with my daughter right now. She's writing something she loves about herself every day. And she says the mantra, I love me. Um, so she, that's something that's really good for her. Some people will record it on their phone of them saying it, and then they'll repeat it back. And so then again, they might have reminders on their phone to go in and listen to that. Um, I've even had clients, Kate, who have gotten like so hardcore about mantras or love them so much, they'll even tattoo them on their bodies. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So you just look down at your wrist and you're constantly reminded forevermore that you are enough. Yes. Yeah. So of course that's dramatic. I haven't even gone that far. I don't but- have any tattoos, but for some <laughs> reason I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Or just something you're going to every day. Um, you know, for some people that might be 
their phone, maybe it's on their background of their phone, um, you know, on the, their microwave, wherever. And I know too, a lot of shame can come up when you start doing these mantras of that embarrassment feeling yeah. of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I don't you want know, anyone to see that I have written yeah. I am enough on my, on my mirror. Yeah. Like yeah. people are going to think I'm weird. And too, of course, your own inner mean girl voice doesn't want you to believe it too. But again, you just have to kind of push through that and it will get easier. 21 days. I like that. Three weeks. Stick it out. Push, push, push. I have them on my phone as reminders as well, Lindsay. Oh, good. I love that. It's so handy. It comes up and it forces me to clear it. So I have to read it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How do we come up with the right kind of uh, mantra or positive affirmation for ourselves? Well, it's tricky because everyone's going has their own unique journey right now. Um, A great one that we all struggle with was that one I mentioned of you know, I am enough because deep down that can be a core belief for most of us, if not all of us, but also too, when you go and you sit down and you start to write those fears, cause you're tapping into that core, um, you might start to see some things come up for you of, you know, for example, if you go back to the one where the guy cuts you off when you're driving, maybe you were in a really bad accident at one point, or, you know, I know one for me that used to deal with, and I'm going to be totally transparent here is I used to have a lot of blocks around Christians mm-hmm. because I grew up in this kind of Bible belt environment where people were kind of saying, Oh, we, we live one way. And then behind closed doors, they didn't. Right. And I, and I remember one day I was cut off and this girl had like Jesus stuff on the back of her car. And I went off in my head. I'm like, who do you think you are? You're cutting me off. And And I realized you're not a good Christian. Yeah, you're not a good (laughs) Christian. And I I was like, wow, Lindsay, you have some blocks here with Christians that you need to overcome. And so when I was able to sit down and write about it and write about like my teenage experience about these people who are one way and did another, I started to see that and I could start to overcome it. So I actually started saying mantras from that of, you know, things like I love Christians. I love being prayed for because I didn't want to hate Christians to begin with. I consider myself a Christian in many ways. I wanted to accept and love those people, but I also needed those mantras to help reprogram my brain. And when I did, I could start to forgive them too. So totally getting personal now. Do you feel like some of your resistance to, uh, the Christian uh, set of values or whatever came around having your daughter. And you mentioned earlier that you felt like you were labeled as white trash and it was shameful to be having a daughter out of wedlock and all of those things. Did you feel like some of that was attached to that as well? Or am I just totally off base? No, it, it definitely stems back though, back to those teenage years. Interesting. When, you know, we all had hormones going through us. Right. And but some of us were authentic about it of, Mm -hmm. Oh man, he's so cute. Or you're dating someone and you're like starting to make out or whatever. And there were some of us who were inauthentic about it and would say, Oh no, we don't do stuff like that. And then behind closed doors, you realized, you know, they're not even a virgin and here you are just making (laughs) out with somebody. Um, I find it really interesting because having grown up in New Zealand, we are much more liberal around uh, religious values, I would say. We So for me, even moving to Texas has been uh, surprising in that respect. So um, yeah, I appreciate the insight. Yeah, yeah. So there is, there's a lot of blocks, a lot of women face, you know, here we are going off on this r- random thing, but around, you know, sex and sexuality because of things like that. So yeah, I can imagine, you know, as I started going deeper in my own Christian thing, that was a big core of that too, was like right. feeling... Um, you know, like a horror. Yeah. Or feeling guilty for, for being a sexual person. Yeah. And really that's just a human desire, you know? So interesting. Yeah. I definitely think a lot of women have issues around the comfort level with their sexuality. I'm sure there's a lot of people feeling blocks out there around that. Yes. Especially, you know, with the election that just happened and Donald Trump and some of the things he said about women. Um, and I think a lot of women feel they can't be a woman or really express themselves and hold themselves back because of those sexual blocks, because it's like, Oh, I don't want to be too sexy or I don't want people to see me this way and, and all that stuff. So that can be a really big block. That's interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of people with their little lights going on their heads right now. I'm sure Hopefully I hope so. All right. I'm going to like flip it up a little bit here and I'm going to ask you the questions I ask everyone, Lindsay. So we'll move away from blocks for a bit. 
And these are my kind of quick fire. So hopefully people get to know you a little bit better through asking these. Are you a morning person or a night person? Naturally a night person, but my daughter has to be at school so terribly early now that I feel like I'm converting to maybe being a morning person, which is crazy. Another total aside, this is another thing that I'm fascinated by in America. What time does your daughter have to be at school? She has to be at school at 7.45. That is insane. You know, in in New Zealand, uh, elementary school age kids start at 9 a.m. I just, I'm really nervous about having to send my kid to school because I'm totally a night person. Yeah. Okay. What is currently sitting on your nightstand next to your bed? Usually I have a book. Of course, I'm a big self-help guru, obviously. Um, But actually right now I'm working on calligraphy. And so I have all these like calligraphy workbooks and um, my papers and stuff. So that's what I've been doing at night is working on my handwriting and trying to get it all creative and pretty. That is so cool. And um, yeah, there's a reason we're friends with the self-help obsession. There's there's a good reason. (laughs) Yes. What is your favorite self-care activity? I would say two things. Definitely baths. I've really become a bath junkie lately. It's a really great way for me to kind of detox at the end of the day and get centered with myself. And just, I feel like it's not only cleansing your physical, but cleansing your spirit too a lot. Um, and then I also love starting my days with working out. I feel like a lot of times I'm connected more to spirit than I am to my physical body. And so working out's a really great way for me to feel grounded and connected and start my day in a earthly way, I guess. That t- I totally, I totally resonate with that. I, I feel like I often need to find ways to ground myself. Maybe I need to work out a little bit more. <laughs> uh, your favorite book, if you had to choose like a, a book, what, what would be your favorite That's such a big question. I know. I know. And you know, I wish I was one of those people who read a book and that was like their enlightenment. You know, like I know Kate for you, you love Eckhart Tolle. Yes. Um, And that was kind of like on your awakening journey. But I didn't really start reading self-help until after that. But I will tell you, I read a book recently and it's a classic um, that I know is one that I'm always going to keep around. And that's You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. You know, I have to buy it because I was thinking about this the other day. She wrote it in the 70s, right? 70s or 80s, it's I like think. It's like super old now, but I'm like, how can I have not read this self-help book yet? It's one of the best selling self-help books like ever. She sold yes. millions and millions and millions of copies of that book. Well, and you know, it's like, it's just so cool because as, especially as we're talking about blocks today, as she talks about in different areas of your body, when you're feeling things, what block that's related to. And so now when I have clients that are like, Oh, I had a migraine or, Oh, I have this. I pull off that book and I say, are you feeling overwhelmed? And they're like, yes, I am. And she even has mantras in there to start to reprogram to get over that block. I was going to say, when we talk about mantras and positive affirmations, I immediately think of Louise Hay because she was such a big uh, part of that movement and, and, you know, teaching women to look into their own eyes in the mirror and say, I love you and, Mm -hmm. and, and recognizing how uncomfortable we can feel when we do that. And, And that totally ties into what we've been talking about today. Yeah. And total side note here. But also on that, I know some women, when they hear things like what we're talking about today, they think, oh, it's too late for me. Oh, I can never change. It's too late for me. I don't think Louise um, like wrote that book or put it out there until her 60s. Am I right? Yeah, you're totally right. She's in her 90s now. She's in her 90s now and she's rocked her life. She changed it from this even more dramatic story than what mine is. Yeah, she had a uh, really tough childhood and um, of of sexual abuse, I believe she's had in her past. And she gave up a baby for adoption. She she certainly didn't start with the easy road. And yeah, she was she was uh, she was well into her later half of living, I think, if you want to put it that way. I think she might have been 60. I'll have to look it up. But then she went on, obviously, to start Hay House, which is uh, the biggest self-help publisher there is. So yeah. she certainly didn't just take what she was the, ha- the hand she was dealt and do nothing with it. Yeah. And, and I just want to share that, too, as inspiration to say, you can change your life today. You can do whatever you want. Don't let that icky voice in your head tell you it's too late for you. It's absolutely not. 
Oh, such a good, such a good point. Okay. That kind of ties a little bit into what I'm going to ask you next, which is, do you have a favorite detour in life or a mistake that you wouldn't take back? Gosh, I feel like, you know, I know we share this, Kate, is that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, and so now, you know, that I've done so much work on my mindset and forgiveness and all that fun jazz, you know, I look back on all my mistakes that I used to be really angry about. And I now see so much, um, forgiveness and so much gratitude toward, but I, I would say my biggest one was definitely having my daughter is, um, you know, at the time it was bad, you know, like I said, you you were a mistake and this was a mistake. Yeah. And I remember just mentally kind of talking to her in my tummy and saying, you know, no matter what anybody else thinks about this, I love you and I will be here for you. And, you know, I was going through my own turmoil, but being her mom is what allowed me to be who the the woman I am today, because I loved her so much that I wanted to give that to her. But in the process, I actually fell in love with myself. Oh, I love that. I feel like so many women, you know, often we aren't that good at taking care of ourselves, but we will take care of ourselves if we know it's going to influence our children well. Yeah, definitely. And so I feel like she's been my biggest spiritual teacher of this little angel that I get to raise. And even though she's certainly not an angel every day. I know, right? um, My children are are not angels every day. (laughs) But I look at it in that that way of how is she helping me grow because I feel like she's given me so much already. Awesome. What is one thing in your day you can't do without? Uh, I would say for sure some sort of alone time is, you know, I like – like we've talked about Kate is I'm a sensitive soul. And so I feel like I'm absorbing a lot of things a lot throughout the day. And when I have that alone time, either if it's in the bath or just laying and doing absolutely nothing, I'm kind of, you know, um, separating myself from that and tapping back into who I am versus, you know, what anybody else is telling me to be or taking on other people's shiz around me. I think so many of us underestimate how powerful that alone time is. You know, we live in such a busy society that doesn't really, often doesn't give us enough space for it, in my opinion. So, oh, I need alone time. I feel you on that. How would you describe the soul? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the soul is... um, is endless, is infinite, is, you know, I, it's so hard because I heard the conversation you had with Rebecca the other week, Kate, where she was like, oh, the soul is really depth and the spirit is kind of this higher level place. And I was like, you know what? I've never thought of it that way. So I feel like I'm questioning my beliefs now on what the soul is, because to me, the soul and spirit have always been the same thing. And it's just this highest, your highest infinite self um, that's creative and it just can create beyond what you could ever even imagine for yourself. And the more you start to trust it and listen to it, the better life becomes. And it's really, really hard at first, but you'll start to see some of the wins along the way. And you'll start to see, you know, and realize too, why was I never living in this place before? It's so interesting that you mentioned that conversation with Rebecca Campbell, because there's a little thread that has popped up in my uh, Facebook group called Here to Thrive as well, uh, discussing that, saying, I have never thought about the soul and spirit in that respect. So you're not the only one. Yeah. You know, when you just have those moments of like an aha, of like, whoa, that's a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to change tact a little bit now. I was speaking to one of my friends before I was recording this with you, and I introduced her to you as well. So she follows along with you on Facebook and knows your work well. And I asked her what she would want to hear us talking about. Oh, cool. It was so interesting. Do you know what she said? (laughs) No. (laughs) That we both have major glow and super good energy. And how do we, how do we do it? How do we keep ourselves happy? So I thought we could just riff on a little bit about that. How do you keep yourself happy, Lindsay? And how do you always put out so much positivity into the world? Oh my gosh. Well, it is a lot of work. Like, oh. <laughs> um, especially this past week after the election has really tried my spirit for sure. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, goes back to writing. Um, you know, we've kind of tapped into it here is that, you know, like I talked about writing that crap out, I will write some really nasty things on paper 
and um, and then usually I'll shred it or burn it. And, you know, that's the thing in society is that a lot of times we're told like anger is bad. You shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't feel that way. But that's just a human emotion. And a lot of times, you know, anger is related to things we're passionate about or things we don't understand, too. And so when I sit down and I write kind of these, you know, angry things out on paper, I start to shift out of it then because then it has a place to go and it's not living in myself. And I'm like, wow, Lindsay, you know, there are so many opportunities here for you to grow and to uh, thrive and to love. And that's a mantra I've been saying for years now is, you know, that I love unconditionally to everyone. Um, and so I just, I think by doing that, it's made me more and more loving person and a, a person with more glow because I don't deny that I have those feelings. I accept it. And then I use it as a tool for growth. Oh, that is so good. So you literally write your crap out and that <laughs> helps you let it go. I'm not much of a, I don't write my crap out. So I'm like totally interested in this being how you feel like you get your glow on. Yeah. And I'm also a Leo astrologically. So as a Leo, I feel like I have just a lot of fire because I think other people, when I tell them that they're like, well, I don't feel that angry, Lindsay. And that's totally <laughs> cool. But I get really passionate about things and I have to just kind of put that anger out. So it feels good. That's so good. I was saying to her that I think one of there's a couple of things I do. I think what you feed your brain really matters. And I mean, mantras totally ties into that, but I would take it a step further. And I am really careful about what I expose my precious mind to and constantly surround myself with positive thoughts. Obviously, I have a Facebook page that she has it constantly. So I'm always looking for inspiration for my audience, which I think has just made me happier. And then yeah. I totally think that meditation has some kind of magical power. Do you med do you meditate? I do a little bit. Um, I'm not like this expert meditation person for sure, but I do do it in spurts. Yep. And like you, I find extreme benefit from it. Um, it, it just it feels like you just tap into this whole nother level. I feel like. I think yeah. I, I, I find for me that when I think about the days I feel like I am glowing, those are the days where I've really been consistently meditating because I'm, I'm human too. I can be hit and miss and kind of get into habits where I fall out of my routine. But I notice myself that's when I don't feel as sparkly. Mm hmm. And I think, too, with meditation, I actually I was just I had an interview about this with a meditation gal. And she was talking about a lot of times, you know, meditation isn't just us sitting down and closing our eyes is it can be when we're on a walk, it can be when we're cooking. And you know, as we're talking about this, Kate, I realize a lot of times I'm meditating when I'm writing. Yeah. And so that for me is like me tapping into that higher self. And I'm, I feel like I'm hearing more of these spiritual messages through that. Yeah, that is such a good point, Lindsay. Yeah. Talking about blocks, if there was one piece of advice or one exercise you could leave our listeners with today, what would that be around managing their blocks? I think the biggest one is what we just keep going back to is that tapping into that fear, you know, and writing out what am I fearing? And on that note, if you're not a big writer or you're not one who has really gone in and tapped into your emotions, it's going to feel hard at first. I remember when I started this habit, I didn't really know what to write about and I felt really awkward and weird. But you, again, just like with the mantras, with any new habit you create, just show up and keep doing it. And after a couple of days, you'll get a little boost. And then after a couple of weeks, a little bit more and you'll start to see the benefit of it. And start to see, you know, some of this crap that's holding you back that's just not logical anymore. Oh, so good. So, Lindsay, you have some programs, some coaching programs, which I'm going to link to. But can you just outline your coaching prog program that I know is available for people should they be interested? Yeah. So I have actually, I have a lot of freebies out there um, because I always want someone to, to to take some kind of free training with me to really ensure that the, it's a good fit. I never want to you know take money from you unless you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. And seeing some kind of tangible results from that. Um, so I would say, you know, the where I, I really like to feed people is to my five day free challenge. It's called Breaking Barriers. Um, and if you just go to Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-E, like the letter E, like elephant, Preston.com 
forward slash BB challenge. You can get into that. And in there, we talk about how to start to overcome these blocks or barriers. And for five days, I talk you through um, different exercises you can start to take. And then on day five, you actually go out and you break one of those barriers. Um, so it's a really cool way to see how this work can start to instantly change your life. And then two, you know, realize if coaching is a good fit for you. Oh, perfect. That sounds like the perfect uh, thing to complement this episode. So I will link to your breaking barriers challenge in the show notes and also over on my website at www.thrive.how forward slash podcast 21. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's been so good to catch up with you in more of a formal context um, and share your (laughs) great knowledge with the audience on Here to Thrive. So I sincerely appreciate you and I'm sure that my followers will also love you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Kate. As I said, this is such a treat for me. I love being a listener and, you know, you and I have connected, I guess now for a couple years Yeah. and there is a lot of coaches out there and you always stood out to me as, you know, that shiny person that I knew I wanted to connect with and start to develop a relationship with. And, um, I'm just so honored that I got to be here and I get to call you one of my best biz buddies. That's so, that's, I think that's a really good thing to talk about because people are probably wondering how we even know each other. And for any of you coaches or people listening out there, Lindsay and I totally met online through this whole crazy online business world and really just connected and have stayed as huge supports for each other as we have moved on in our business development. Um, I met Lindsay just as I was sort of launching my business. And so having her support has been amazing. Yeah. And yours as well, Kate, and that you are so good at bringing together really strong coaches or writers, you know, whatever we, we want to call ourselves here, but um, there's just so much out there and it's so nice to be in alignment with women who are truly out there helping people and doing it from a really authentic, great place. So thank you. Oh, that's why I appreciate you too. Okay, we, we'll stop our little love affair and we could go on probably all day. Cool. Well, we will chat again soon and I will be back next week with another episode and I hope you've all appreciated Lindsay today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was so much fun talking to Lindsay. If you'd like to track down some of the things we talked about through the show, head over to my website, www.thrive.how, that's H-O-W, forward slash podcast 21. And that is the word podcast and the number 21. You can also go to Lindsay's website, which is lindsayepreston.com. Over at my website, I will share links to Lindsay's Breaking Barriers 5-Day Challenge and also point you in the direction of where you can purchase Louise Hayes' You Can Heal Your Life. I am so long overdue putting this one in my Amazon cart, so I'm going to go and do that right now. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. I release one every Friday and I don't want you to miss out. I'll be back again next week talking about how we can put the pieces back together after we feel exhausted, how we can recover from burnout. This topic purely came from your feedback. Thank you so much to the wonderful listener out there who left me a review saying that you would love me to cover this topic. I hear you and I will be sharing some ideas with you next week on that. Till then... Go and create your thriving life.